podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The dream is made real. Ricky Howard rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia, he's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh. Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sean, joined as always by Johnston for the Big Fight Reaction Show. And we've got quite a few fights to cover. In the preview, we looked at Shakur Stevenson's fights with Los Santos. We looked at Navarrete's fight with Conceição. And we looked at the Magnificent Seven card in Manchester. Well, we've had the opportunity to sit there over the weekend, watch the fights, pick out the ones that I think you guys will want to listen to us talk about and that's exactly what we're going to do. So we'll probably start in chronological order again, I think, Johnston. We'll go back to Thursday night, early hours of Friday morning for us. Shakur Stevenson, we were as excited to see him in action. And he even had two great fighters accompany him to the ring, of course. And yet the performance wasn't so great. It was pretty lacklustre. And he even came out and apologised afterwards, which I thought was quite a a humble thing to do, uh, given that the fact he didn't really perform very well in this fight. However, despite the fact he didn't perform well, he got the victory. And that was the main thing. Now he's got his sights set on bigger fish to fry in the division. Ultimately, where does he go now at this point, Johnston? Does it make him a fighter that maybe people will look at in the division and go, ah, well, he's, you know, he's not had a great performance. Maybe, maybe I could beat this guy. Maybe I will take that chance and fight him as opposed to the guys that don't want to fight Shakur Stevenson because maybe they feel he's too good and that they're actually not going to win the fight and it's more of a, a risk than a reward for them. You're entitled to a bad night. Um, I, I'm, I've always been singing Shakur Stevenson's uh, name all the way through. I, you know, I, I can't. I, I do generally think he is a superstar in the waiting. I still believe that he's had a poor performance, and he's openly said, "You know what? I didn't perform well, and I've apologised for that." The crowd weren't happy with it; they booed him. You know, he's still composed. He's still got the job done. He still won. The one thing he's got to look at is I've not performed very well, and I've won the fight. So I think that sets the tone for you, really. I mean. Always use me football analogies. I can't help it, but you know, if you have a bad day and you come away with a win, you're doing still doing something right. Effectively, he hasn't lost the fight and he didn't deserve to lose the fight. So you just got to say, do you know what? You were as good as your last performance, and it wasn't a very good one. The thing is, he set the level so high for himself that it's hard, isn't it? You have to maintain that level. You've got to maintain it. You've got to still be at your, you know, at your pinnacle and at your absolute best every time you enter that ring. And sometimes it just doesn't happen, whether it be a mental thing or whether it be a slight injury or you're just not feeling it or the guy in front of you, you, you feel like you can beat him without really doing too much, which is it's a pretty much a whole ball. It's like a whole thing for Stevenson and why he didn't perform that night. Maybe there's a little bit of pressure on himself as well. So that in a way, it's probably helped him because straight away, people will jump on social media and say, he's not good enough. He's, he's going to get destroyed. Javante Davis is going to knock him out. And in a way, it might help him actually get some big fights in the future. Yeah, I'd be, I, well, this is what the point is that I was making was that you know, yeah. people are going to look at it and think, well, maybe he's not as he's not as 
fantastic as what he looked in that ring. And maybe we we could take this fight. Maybe you know we could beat him. Maybe he isn't as good. Even having a bad night, he still won the WBC lightweight championship. So to win a title on a bad night isn't really too bad going considering the circumstances surrounding it. I'm not going to sit and analyse and break down the fight because I think there's there's a lot of other fights that I want to cover in this episode for you guys and I want to speak to you about Johnson. So I'm not going to sit and yeah. go through it point by point. We Ultimately, we just know he didn't have a good night at the office. It wasn't his best performance. He still wins a title nevertheless and he's still a, a marquee name in this division hoping that we'll see a big fight for him in the future. But... The other fight really on this card that, that really stoked our interest was, of course, the Navarrete Conte Sal fight. Controversy in this. Many people thought Conte Sal won this fight. It was a majority draw. People feel that the knockdowns of Conte Sal from Navarrete were what won Navarrete the fight. If it wasn't for them knockdowns, he would have lost that fight. Do you agree with what people are saying, having seen it? Yeah, I do. Um, I can sort of understand it. Um, again, um, you know, it's, it's difficult because I still I, I still feel that Emmanuel Navarrete is a a very good fighter. Um, he, as as I said before, I would have him sort of in and around the top fifteen in the world uh, in pound for pound list. I, I generally believe that. Um, a lot of people are going to say, you know, Conor Sales got robbed. Um, I mean, it's, it, we we spoke about this, haven't we, Sean? About uh, a few fights recently with the robbery sort of thrown around and yeah I think effectively the knockdowns probably did just about niche, sort of nick him the fight but oh yeah I mean if anything he could he could potentially offer the guy a rematch even then I don't really feel like it's even worth it I don't know it's it's really weird because I'm really I, I like I like them both and beforehand in the preview I was saying how much I do like them and how, how much I expected them both to come through with quite comfortable victories and in the end I thought Navarrete had the harder challenge ahead of him and in the end they've both underperformed um, and and they've just come through I mean I don't know what to say really I, all I'm going to say is he probably got away with one right? that's one I, I do like to throw out there he has um, and yeah what do you think Sean I mean, I, what's your opinion on it it's almost like one of those, it's just two guys have not performed like we expected them to. They've still come through it undefeated um, in a way. You know, they've, they've not lost the fights. And it's almost like you just got to move on quickly and make sure you don't perform the way you did that night and you improve for your next fight. Uh, I think, that's about I, all I can say on it. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I think the knockdowns on the scorecards for me are, are what saved the fight for Navarrete from getting that loss. Just that, yeah. Well, yeah. because if you look at the scorecards, you got 113-113, Max DeLuca, Chris Flores, 113-113, and then Don Trella is the one that goes 114-112 to Navarrete. But the two judges that had it 113-113 a draw, I'd say he probably right, because you think about it, Johnston, if them, them wouldn't have been knocked down rounds, how would them rounds have been scored? Would they have been scored... 114, 113, would they have been scored 115, 113? Do you mean that's kind of what makes me think like if it wasn't for them knockdowns, then I think we would have been looking at Navarrete losing this fight to Conte Sal. But this is how boxing goes sometimes. This is why I don't think this is a robbery uh, and I don't think it's a travesty in any way, shape, or form. I think the decision is the right decision. I think Navarrete didn't have his best night and the knockdowns saved his skin from losing this fight 
And if he wouldn't have got them knockdowns, he probably would have lost. So the fact that he was able to knock Conte down twice is just testament to him as a fighter. And even, again, in a fight where Conte was essentially winning it overall, over the course of the fight, you would look at it and think Conte had the better of Navarrete. And if he wouldn't have got caught, you know, those rounds would have been scored differently. So essentially, it would have been a win for Conte. So can he move on from this without a rematch? Uh, yes, he can. He can, but I don't think he will. I do think people will want to see this happen again. I do think the promotion will want to see this happen again. And I'll be honest with you, I would like to see it happen again. I would like to see Navarrete come back and, and, and have a better performance. And, you know, if he can beat him emphatically then he puts it to bed. But it's one of those fights where it's going to be really close. Do you remember the uh, Brian Carlos Castano fight and Charlo fights and how close the first fight was that warranted the second fight? For me, this is this is how that kind of was and this is the same situation as that. And I think to put this to bed, Navarrete really needs to go in there and beat him and beat him more emphatically. And I'm not suggesting that he needs to knock the guy out. I'm suggesting he needs to beat him. And if he beats him on points, it needs to be definitive. It needs to be a boxing lesson or it needs to be an emphatic knockout. Those are the two options to put this situation to bed. Otherwise, people are going to sit there and say the same things like, you, you really got away with one. Like you said, he got away with one. He did. He did. If he wouldn't have pulled them two knockdowns out of the bag, we would have been having a different conversation right now. And, and the fact is as well, you know, look, he's got the knockdowns. That's It's a part of boxing. It gives you that two-round swing. And that, they're the big pinnacle moments of the fight. And he's managed to secure those moments. So, again, although he's he's had trouble, he's still managed to deliver. And, you know, he had, what did he have? He had like 11 wins by stoppage before two consecutive bouts where he's actually gone to this distance. And, you know, this guy's a warrior as well. He, he's not fighting to really go in there and, and, and throw some bombs and, and he caught Concecel, he went down. And in credit to Concecel, he's got up and carried on and, and people still feel that he won. I mean, that's, again, you know, you're making comparisons. I mean, Wilder's knocked Tyson Fury down, what, twice? in or Was it twice or three times? I remember now in their first fight. And, it, you know, it, it ended up being a draw and we're still saying that Fury deserved to win that fight. That didn't, you know, Wilder shouldn't have won it, but the knockdowns for others sort of swung it in, their, in, in his way. The difference was, I think Navarrete did win other rounds, barring those rounds he knocked him down in. So, you know, you're going to knock someone down, it's going to give you the incentive. It's going to give you a, a better position going into, you You know, you get a couple of rounds up effectively, didn't you? Without, you know, by, by one knockdown. You could be getting beat in that round, find that shot and, you know, put him down. You're a 10-8 up, even though you've lost for two minutes because that's how the judging is. That's how it works. But credit to Navarrete, look, he's, he's, he's got the knockdowns. He's won the fight or he's drawn a fight. But, um, you know... What do you do, really? I mean, the rematch is what people were calling for. Then maybe take it. And as you say, it needs to be more in fight. When he when he knocks him down, make sure he finishes the show. Well, it's either that or Conte Sal has his number and Conte Sal could potentially win a rematch. Yeah. So that, that's yeah. why I'd like to he see it. Keep away and not, if he can not get knocked down and put on his arse, then yeah, definitely. <laughs> he does just about nick it. Well. But yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's a contentious one, I suppose. But again, it's not, it's controversial, but it's not hugely controversial. I don't believe there's a robbery within it. No. But, you know, because it, it, there's an argument either side. And, and, and I do like Navarrete. You know, no matter what, you know what you're going to get with him. He's always going to produce something that's going to entertain you at some point in the fight, which is why you like watching him. Typical Mexican, I hate to just sort of label Mexican fighters this way, but they do tend to be 
those type, type of fighters. He's such a tall guy and he fights so short as well. It's just it's very thoroughly entertaining to watch. And whereas Shakur's fight, obviously not so much. You know, you probably doze off. It's not a fight you'd want to go back and look on with Shakur, but you'd probably watch this one back. And um, and uh, yeah, and I would let I would I'll be happy for the rerun as well. So um, Constance, you've got to give him credit though. He he caused a lot of trouble. He did. He did cause a lot of trouble. Let's see. Let's see if the rematch happens. And if it does, that's great. We'll get to see it again. I'll be happy to see that again. So let's move on. Swiftly move on to the UK shows and the fights in particular that we wanted to cover off in this episode. So we're going to start with the Magnificent Seven card. We are going to talk about the boxer card as well and talk about some of the fights on that one. But this was the card that we did a lot more in-depth conversation around in the preview for it. And there were quite a few fights that we were both looking forward to seeing how they played out. So I'm going to pick maybe the main event, I think, would be a good place to start. And the main event was Denzel Bentley and Nathan Heaney for the British Middleweight Championship. And my word, that was a good fight. I enjoyed that fight between those two. I enjoyed the danger element of it with Denzel being the puncher and, and Nathan boxing really really well through spells of the fight to evade and keep away but also engage when he needed to engage in the fight and I think he thoroughly deserved that victory over Denzel and Denzel has basically said on social media look do you know this is was what it was fair play to Nathan for for winning that fight and I think a lot of people felt like Nathan was going to get knocked out in this fight I think they didn't think that he would be able to go the way he did against Denzel and he think at some point that Denzel was going to catch up with him and he did ca- catch up with him a couple of times throughout the fight but Nathan was able to to save himself and he was able to uh, evade some of it and he was able to take it and he was able to deliver and dish back out and I enjoyed his his effort I enjoyed his aggression I enjoyed the times when he just boxed throughout the course of the fight and for Denzel it just didn't look like it was his night it didn't Looked like it was the same Denzel we'd seen previously, and I'm not making any excuses whatsoever. I do think the better man won on the night. I just don't think. I think I don't know if it, Denzel was just relying too much on maybe landing one or two of those big shots of his that maybe he thought himself that if he got to Nathan he'd hurt him, and if he hurt him, that's when he'd unravel. And it didn't happen that way. And I think because it didn't happen that way, you could see he was getting frustrated in the fight, Bentley and Nathan. He and he was just thriving off the confidence that he was building throughout the round so I think he really deserved the victory and to get that British middleweight championship and take it away from the champion and that's what we always say about a fight with a championship involved you've got to take the title away from the champion and I think Nathan Heaney did that and he did it really well um look we didn't doubt him um there wasn't a moment that we doubted him at all when we done our preview and I was actually quite surprised how much of an underdog he went into this fight I know his age probably was 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 one of the main factors, and the fact that you know when you look at his CV, it wasn't nowhere near as good as Bentley's, and that's probably why Denzel got more of a um, more, more, more better the odds to say. Uh, and you know, I, I was just really surprised at how many people thought that Heaney wouldn't have won this fight. I, we we mentioned the fact that Heaney's the guy that the promoter surely wants to um, win this fight because the potential of him. You know, whether he can get that world title shot, I mean, look, it, it's a huge ask, but it could happen. I mean, if we've seen worse things and stranger things, and if he can continue to win, then I'm sure he will put himself in a position where he could potentially fight for a world title. And the numbers behind him are a lot better than Bentley's, and that's no disrespect to Bentley, it's just Heaney has got a better following. 
And you do find that with some fighters. And, and I think that is spurring him on. I really do. And there were very tense rounds within sort of the later stages of the fight. For me, Heaney took it quite comfortably very early on. I felt like he was in control. And I, like you say, Denzel was just waiting for the big bomb, hoping that his power was going to ruin Heaney's dreams. And and my goodness, he wasn't there to, to lose that night. There was no way. You sort of, I sort of felt after five rounds, this ain't this is going only one way for me. And, and even as it got better, the, the fight got better as it, as it went on. Bentley started to come into it more, and and to Heaney's, Heaney's credit, I feel that it was Heaney's style and the way he fought in the early sta- stages that actually probably prevented Bentley from really putting anything on him and putting a foothold in the fight. It went into the middle as it sort of grew in confidence, and and Heaney just grew in confidence round by round, and uh, it was a pleasure to watch the guy, and and I would love to see him in a position where. He can really get the Stoke Army out there behind him at some point. I mean, 2000, I think 2000, they said Stoke fans went out there and you could hear them. Uh, could you imagine that? Sort of another 8,000 on top of that. And I'm telling you now, it, you know, for those that don't know Stoke uh, City, Stoke City, when they get behind their football team, they're a noisy bunch and um, they will definitely get behind Heaney. But look, it's about the fight. It got the job done, Sean, and, and credit to him, he deserved it. And, you know, it's a fairy tale, wasn't it? It really was a fairy tale moment for him. And it is, how far can he really push this dream show? And I think that's the question. How far is his ability is going to get him? I mean, this is what this is what it's going to be uh, a joy to watch, really, and, and to see how far he can go. It's almost like the Corolla, the Corolla situation, isn't it? Corolla, yep. where he was just got better and better, didn't he? The further he went, could he get that dream and win a world title? And I feel like it could happen for Heaney. Well, he's got a big task in front of him because I believe he would be in line for a shot at, at Chani Beck, who obviously Denzel Bentley had a, an interesting fight with. So yeah. that that that's it's a big ask, but you know I think he's proven with the Bentley fight that he's got more in his locker than maybe what people thought he did. So that fight is 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 a big one for him. And to be honest, everything that I, I, I read about Heaney, I already knew about him anyway, and I'd, I'd interviewed him previously, and I'd seen him on the small hall shows, and I know at this point of his career, winning that British title, was that was the world title for him. Now, anything from this point onwards yeah. is is, yeah. is an overachievement for him. That That's the way he sort of sits there. He doesn't doubt his abilities, but he's realistic about things. And I think now it's about... You've realised one dream. Now it's about setting the new dream, which is to fight for the world title, to potentially win the world title. If he could do that, it would be a really fairy tale ending for him. He's got a really difficult task ahead of him if he gets that fight. But you can't count him out. People went in there looking at the Denzel Bentley fight against Chani Beck, and you know everybody wrote Denzel off. But look at what he did in that fight. I think he made it very competitive, and he made it difficult at times for Chani Beck. He took away the aura of invincibility, didn't he, in that fight? So if Denzel could do it, then maybe Nathan Heaney could could do something in that fight. So let's just see where he goes. Ultimately, he wins the British title. He gets the win. He moves on in his career. And I'm, I'm genuinely happy for him. I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to see whether he gets the fight at Stoke City's football ground. And like you say, the crowd and, and hearing it and hearing the entrance and singing Delilah. It's, it's, it's all like 
football orientated. It reminds me of uh, it's like Ricky Hatton with Blue Moon coming out to yeah. the Manchester City theme. Like we all loved it back in the day. We absolutely loved singing it, even if you weren't a City fan and you despised them as a football club, you'd sing it because of Hatton. Heaney's another one of those fighters that brings that crowd in that same way and that same passion. And as as fans of the sport, we we should just really get behind him. Uh, that's that's what I think as a fan of the sport. I just want to get behind the guy and I want to see him do well, even if he doesn't have the ability to go on and win a world title. I would just want to see him do well in this sport. From this point onwards, it's like fairy tales can potentially come true for fighters, and maybe this is a path that he's on. But ultimately, great fight. Really enjoyed it, and it also followed up a, a great fight between Nick Ball and Isaac Dogbay, which it actually. That fight also, I think it exceeded my expectations a little bit. I I wasn't 100% sure what we were going to get in that fight. I knew Nick Ball was going to be ferocious. I really knew he was going to give it Dog Bay. But he got hurt himself a couple of times in that fight. He, the difference in levels was evident in that fight. And the way Nick Ball adapted, I think, was really good. He got hurt a couple of times. He adapted. He held on. He did what he needed to do in the fight. And I think whilst getting a really good victory and he was quite dominating at times throughout the course of the fight, I think he will have also learnt so much from someone who was a former champion and somebody who gave him a lot to think about going into a potential WBC title shot because this was a final eliminator for the WBC title. And I didn't know that when he was doing the preview. I knew he was really highly ranked and I knew that he was potentially going to get a shot in the next year or so. But then after we'd recorded the pod and put it out, I read that it was a WBC eliminator. So perfect. Ray Vargas currently holds that title, but he's been fighting up at super featherweight. Chances are he'll vacate that title and stay up at super featherweight. And then if that's the case, Nick Ball gets an even better opportunity because the likes of people in this division, I think he's capable of beating them. And on that performance, I think he's going to give any of those fighters in this featherweight division a fantastic fight. You said it in the preview. Imagine Nick Ball versus Mauricio Lara. What a tear-up that would be between the two of them. Nick Ball versus Lopez. Another tear-up. Nick Ball versus Navarrete. I mean, there's some absolute tear-ups here to be had. I think Nick Ball has proven he, he is a world-level fighter. He has. And, no, Isaac Dogbay, um, as I said before in the preview show, you know, he's from my neck of the woods. He was trained down here in Martinham in South East London. So, you know, although I'm I'm rooting for both fighters, you know, it's 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 a local derby. It's that local fight derby. And you know, in my head, you know, I did I do favour Dogbo? I'm not going to lie. When I was watching, it, I was like, ah, oh, I was I was gutted for him because I am. I, although I like Nick Ball, I'm not saying I don't like him, but I suppose just because he's from down here and he really represents us as well. When he's he's mentioned the South London and. And how much it's helped him in his career. So deep down, I was a bit sorry. I felt sorry for him because although he was there, it, look, he, he lost the fight, though, but not Nick Ball won it quite convincingly for me. Absolutely, pretty much every round. He was dominant in his performance. And I sort of felt that way. I felt like Isaac was there to just, you know, he high guard defended it. He, he was there to survive the fight. And then Stylistically, as I said, he, he was for me. He was the better fighter. He is the better fighter, but he was unable to sort of force his will at any point, apart from those two moments when he landed on him. And and Nick, you know, the one thing I say is, I, it was a bit of a concern a couple of times with Nick. I was like, oh dear, okay, 
uh, but he recovered very well. Um, so that's the thing I would say is that although he got caught a couple of times by a guy in Isaac Dogbay that isn't a huge puncher. You got to remember, you know, he's he's not he is you know he's knocked out fifteen of his opponents into what 20, 24, uh, 28 fights, but still um, he's not a huge puncher. He's a big big enough puncher, and you got to remember he's moved up from as far as how far he moved up from. You know, what I mean, he was a a bantamweight, wasn't he? So. The fact is, that would be a concern for me with Nick. Although I feel like he won the fight quite convincingly, I still feel that I said it how much we both said it. We'd love to see him in the ring with Alara and Neverarty, potentially. I mean, but if my fear is, if it's Lara nailing him with one of those, you know, although he got the chin check, how good would his chin be then? Um, because at times I just feel like he rushes in and, and we said it anyway, you know, he's not going to change that style. He's just got to be a bit more cautious because he's very upright when he comes in sometimes. And he got caught on the way in and Dog Bay caught him really well with his chin and his head very high up. And he needs to tuck that chin in and put his head down and go for glory if he's going to do it. Um, so, yeah, that'd be the one the one criticism I love of Nick. But it was a real acid test for him. And he's dominated a name in this division. He's dominated a guy that's fought in world titles. Okay, in a division, a couple of divisions below. But still, he's fought a former world champion, a champion that is deserves to be in and around here of the top guys in a division. So, Nick bought all of his credit, and it was a good fight, wasn't it? It really was. Yeah, it was a good fight. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed a few other fights on the card. I enjoyed the Liam Davies knockout of Vincenzo Lefamino. I enjoyed the Echo Assuming and Harry Scarf fight. Big win for Harry Scarf there. I honestly thought Actually, that, I, I thought Echo was going to beat him. I genuinely thought Echo would beat him. I, I, I knew Scarf was a problem, and I know he uh, he's called horrible Harry Scarf because of his style can be uh, not the greatest to watch. And I'm, when I make the next comparison, I'm not saying in terms of skill levels, guys, when I say this, but I mean in terms of the way this particular fight that I'm going to mention made fights horrible to watch at times. It, it's like he's like the British Bernard Hopkins. That that's what he reminds me of. He's got that that horrible style that can really slow the pace of a fight, bring it down, make it rough, make it difficult. And I, I think that's what he did, and he did it effectively against Asuman, who wasn't able to be the fighter he was in previous fights. He's ended his undefeated record. He's now on the British title. He's now on the Commonwealth title and then the IBF European welterweight title. Harry Scarfs has put himself on the map massively because Echo Asuman was ranked quite highly uh, within a couple of the organisations. Now, as a result of that, he'll he'll probably either lose that ranking or, or drop down significantly. Does Harry Scarf go in and take his place? Well, I don't know. We had this conversation on the uh, boxing governing bodies on shooting the breeze a couple of weeks ago. Maybe that's a, a conversation that will be revisited in the future. And if you can listen to that, please go back and listen because it is it can be really confusing at times with how certain fighters get ranked. Does it make Harry Scarf ranked in these uh, IBF in particular? Yeah, probably does. Will he take any rankings in other organisations? Possibly not. But he's put himself on the map with a really good victory here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and uh, as I say, I had Asuman winning this fight, and it was, it for me, I, I just felt that like Asuman should be winning it. Um, and he's it, Harry was performed probably the best he's performed in his career, and and and, and Asuman wasn't so great. It's sort of a bit similar to to Bentley and Heaney, I suppose, where Heaney didn't perform very well, and I mean Bentley didn't perform very well, and Heaney did. Uh, but either way, you know, Scarf deserved the victory. Um, I was actually listening to this one on the radio, actually, on TalkSport uh, on the way back from football on Saturday night, and then I managed to catch the highlights after. 
but um, great win for Harry. Um, deserves it, and um, yeah, good luck to the fella. Um, I mean, he's picked up the what the British, the Commonwealth, and the IBF European. So, uh, not a bad night's work for him, is it? Not a bad night's work at all. Well, just rounding up the rest of this card before we talk about the two European title victories for two other British fighters, we had Nathaniel Collins in a really good fight with Zach Miller. Really, really good fight. Really enjoyed that one as well. Hannah Rankin got beat off Emma Cozin. I thought that was a bit of a surprise. Split decision loss to Emma Cozin. That was a little bit of a surprise for me and... and Emma Cozen becomes WBC, WBO Super Welterweight Champion now as a result of that. It's a, an amazing thing for her to do, but I feel sorry for Hannah because she's always been a, a really good servant to the sport and really promoted it really well in the UK and, and been in some really interesting fights over the years. So, you know, it's, it's one of them things. I don't know if people feel it was controversial in any way. From what I watched of the fight, I felt like she just wasn't the same as what I've seen her before. And I think Emma Cozen probably deserved to win that I don't know if people agree or if you don't agree well, just let me know because I, I kind of feel like she probably deserved to win that one on this occasion and you know taking bias out of it and, and you know being hometown bias with, with obviously Hannah being from the UK I I didn't want to do that I wanted to look at it objectively so I think Emma probably just deserved to win that fight and then you also had Solomon Dakers who got a majority decision over Michael Webster which it was one of them fights I did watch it and I just kind of felt like Solomon didn't really look fantastic. I know one judge gave it to um, a draw and then two of them gave it to, to Solomon Dakers but I felt it was uh, one of those that probably could have been scored the other way as well looking at the fight and, and reflecting upon it. So maybe, maybe just maybe on another day Michael Webster will get his opportunity. He wasn't defeated going into that as well. I think he's he's probably, if anything, he's, his stock's risen because he put on a decent performance in there and some people maybe felt like on another night he would have won that fight. So there you go. That was the Magnificent Seven card. They were the, the big fights on that particular card. But not forgetting about the other European fights that we had over the weekend. We had Tyler Denny and Adam Azim both winning European titles. It was really interesting to see the pair of them both win European titles in Wolverhampton. We talked about Adam Azim a lot, haven't we? And and where he would go in this fight and, and how we, he would look. But he got that 10th round stoppage. And it, it's a hard one. We talked a lot about him in the preview. And it's like, how fast do you move him? Do you worry about moving him too fast? What did you think of him getting that victory? He looked a lot better in this fight. And the other guy who he fought, uh, Pettigene, he looked like he didn't even want to be there at times. Yeah, he didn't, did he? I mean, we did um, mention that this is probably the level we want to keep him at because of the fact that what... You know, Petajin was 35 and, and Azim's 21. He's 22 next year, I think, next July. So, you know, <laughs> he's so young. He's a baby. And uh, and look, credit to him. He, he's got the job done um, and uh, in great fashion. And, uh, well, I mean, we do. We're admirers of Adam Azim. And you just don't want to see the guy uh, be forced and pushed too soon. I mean, we've got we've been through this on, on the review show. And, and I feel like this is the level you need to just keep him at. Um, and I know people say, you know, you're young enough, it, it doesn't matter how old you are, whether you're, two, you know, whether you're 32 or 42, and then you're, or you're 22, it doesn't matter. If you're good enough, you should be given the opportunity. I think he just needs a, little, a few more of these type of fights for me. And then next year, look at stepping it up again. And he just needs to be um, just slowly and, and matched on a very, very, slow level um we just don't want to see that talent 
be stopped at any point. We want to see him improve, and you need to just it just needs to be another notch on the belt, and just he, look, he got the job done. He got the job well. It was an emphatic performance from him. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I can't wait to keep watching him. What I want to see is with with a lot of these youngsters and this early stages of their career is you want to find often and regularly, uh, constantly keep them active, keep them on all the you know all the cards that are coming up sort of once a month, even if you can, you know, if he's knocking guys out, you know, if you do throw him in there with journey manager, you know, he's going to knock out in a few rounds. There's no problem with that. Make sure you step him up a level again for the next month and then have a couple of months off. You know what I mean? Just keep him active, keep him learning. And then he'll be more than ready when a title shot presents itself. What about Tyler Denny then? I thought he was another one. Like he, he, he's I know, one of the fighters. Like we how much did we say? And, and do you know what made me laugh? I mean, brilliant. I mean, I, you, we were saying it, weren't we, with Tyler? You know, you can't sleep on Tyler because he eventually, you know, he, he's he's so slippery. He's, he's a tricky guy to fight, and he ends up get he get he gets the win, and he calls out Chris Eubank Jr. Brilliant. Yep, a great win for him. European title now behind him, and it meant a lot to him. You could tell how much it meant to him. It was it was great to see that moment for for both him and Adam Azim. And you know, like Tyler Denny moving on in his career, he's he's certainly one of those fighters that maybe eighteen months ago people were sleeping on him. And and and, and admittedly, at times I thought, hey, is he got a level? Maybe this European title is his level. But I, I, I don't know. You know, I think when you think about the middleweight division at the moment, it is quite competitive. Obviously, we've been talking about. The, the middleweights in in this episode and talking about like the the potential for for Heaney later on down the line like you know a potential fight between a Tyler Denny and a Nathan Heaney you know that's a pretty decent fight that, that would be a good one for for Stoke City if they can't get the world title fight for him next year you know European yeah. title British title on the line and that's a that's a really good fight between the yeah. two of them so there's there's a potential for that there but then there's also for the potential going separate ways and, 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 and maybe he draws out a little bit longer and maybe Frank Warren does do something where he can get Nathan Heaney the opportunity to, to fight Johnny Beck. I don't know. We'll see how it pans out. But if I was matchmaking, I'd be wanting to see Tyler Denny and I'd want to see Nathan Heaney because they're both at certain levels now where they're not too dissimilar from each other in terms of where they're at and it'd be a good fight for them to move forward to that next level in the career. So that would be the type of fight I'd want to see next. So... Yeah, I, I'm. I'm really impressed. I'm really happy for 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 Tyler, for Nathan, for for Adam Azim getting the victories on the cards this weekend. The other fight that I managed to catch up with, didn't watch it live because I was watching the other card, was the Reese Edwards Brad Foster fight. Uh, a lot of controversy in that one. A lot of people felt that Brad Foster was robbed in that fight. Although Reese Edwards got the decision over the ten round distance. There's a lot of people on social media. A lot of people that are maybe a little bit emotionally biased towards Brad Foster, felt like he, he was robbed a little bit there in, in, in that particular fight. It was 97-94 to Reese Edwards, and it was only the referee that made that decision in that particular fight. So this is sometimes why, you know, if you're in a 10-round fight, I probably would have expected judges for this one, um, but that didn't, didn't seem to happen in this particular fight. I don't know why that was the case, but the referee scores it 97-94, and gives it to, to Reese Edwards and Brad Foster, quite quite a humble man. He's just sort of said now, like, well, I'm just going to move on from it. It wasn't my night. I didn't get the victory, despite what I felt happened on the night, and I'm going to move on. Uh, but it was a really good win for Reese. I, I don't know what other people think about it or what you guys listening think about it, whether you think he was one of those fights that should have completely gone the other way. I always do say, let us know if you do feel like it went completely the other way. Uh, I wasn't so sure on that, but again... It depends on, on sort of which spectacles you were wearing when you were watching the fight as well, of course. 
Uh, Richard Reactpour, Johnston, he was on there, got yeah. the victory, TKO, two rounds, calls out Chris Billum Smith. I like the fact he's calling him out, but he's already got a fight with Masternak. <laughs> you know, when's Richard Reactpour going to get a, a good fight now in the Cruiserweight division? We've been wanting him in a big fight for, for quite some time. He's, his win over Kloake earlier this year was a really good win, and I thought like that was going to maybe take his career forward from that point, fighting a former world champion. But then he goes into this fight and, yeah, it's kind of a step down from that last fight. And, and obviously with Billum Smith being tied up at the moment and with other fighters being tied up, like obviously Opataya fighting Ellis Sorrow on the, the Day I Reckoning card on the 23rd of December. There's not really a lot of things really that Riyadpour can do now until probably next year. Will that Billum Smith fight happen for Riyadpour? Yeah, I know it's a tricky one, isn't it, for React Boy? It's almost like I was listening to Carl Froch the other night and he was sort of mentioning um, after he came out of that Super 6 tournament, I know it's like a different level, don't get me wrong, but, you know, if you think React Boy's slowly building himself towards that world title push and then he has to drop back to this level, and I remember Carl Froch saying, like, after the Super 6, Eddie Hearn's like, look, well, we're going to just get you your first fight back in the UK, we're going to get you just a guy you can roll over, and he's like, no, I want Lucien Butte. Because that was his, that was just his fault, and that was what he, that's what I want, and I, I don't care the risk. He's like, no, but you know the, the risk. This guy could beat you. He's like, I don't care. I want him. Uh, that's the level I'm at, and that's the level I want to be at, and I want to continue to fight at. And you know, 33 years of age, Richard Reactor. I don't know whether it's his team or not, but for some reason they've failed to get those fights. Should have been the next level. Should have been. You know, you think oh, Billum Smith has gone and studied. He, he, he loses, but yet still manages to come back. And now he's, he's effectively above him. And it's like, it's so strange. It's like, just shows you that at times you've just got to push the, you've just got to go for it. It's not even about money. And, and, and Cole Fudge, I mean, I, I don't always sing Cole Fudge's praises, but he said, you know, I could have fought somebody else, a, probably a bigger name than like a Lucien Boutet at that time. But I decided to go with the harder challenge. And it was a, it was, the reward was less then he would have got if he'd have fought someone not as good as him. And that was the, look at the impact of that and what that did to him and how that just, again, moved him on to the next stage of his career. And and I just feel, Sean, at times, I'm not just saying this is Richard in particular, but the things I've read about his team and, and other fighters want to have said about situations where, whether it's about money or not, I don't know, but I feel like there's something there that sometimes I feel like he doesn't take the risk. And, um, and I think that's what's happening, Sean. He's on. He's on. He's ended up on a card like this, where he's knocked out a guy in a couple of rounds, and and he's just fallen down on the undercard. And you don't want him to become the become the forgotten man, do you? I mean, we won't forget him because we know he's a threat. Now, he's undefeated. He's beat Bill and Smith, but you know, some somewhere along the line, it's just you've got to take the risk, even if it means you're in camp working your socks off at this time. And yes, you've got other champions that are potentially fighting other guys but anything can happen Sean anything the amount of times we've done our career profiles and we've had a situation where a guy's pulled up injured they've called on someone else he's got four weeks to get himself in shape for a world title shop and he and he take it and he goes on and does something and wins it I think that for me that's the only way he's going to do it otherwise he's just going to be waiting around he's going to end up being like Joshua Boatsy just waiting in the wings you know the talent this guy's got I just feel that I don't know is it the fighter I don't know if it's the fighter. I don't know if it's the promotion team. A lot of people think it's the promotion team. We'll see. We'll see where this goes for Reactor. But you will want to think that in the next 12 months, he's going to want to get that big fight. Whether it's against Bill Smith, whether it's against Sopataya, 
play next year. I don't know, but he, he needs it. He's at the stage where I think he needs it now. He's 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 fought who he's needed to fight to get to that level. He now needs a big fight. The only other fight I can think of him having in the interim now is, is Lawrence Akole. Like, when's Lawrence Akole yeah. going to come back? That, that'd be the other fight. They've had a bit of a, a to-do at a, the Creed 3 premiere. So maybe there's a bit of bad blood there. They can, they can sell that. It's quite an easy sell for them to do that. So why not make that fight? have that fight, then see where the winner of that fight goes in the future and see how everything lands next year. That would be that would be my ideal scenario And that's for the him. risk, though, Sean, is it? That is that risk that fighters need to take. Lawrence and, and, and Riakpo will look at each other and think, well, that's a high risk. If I lose that, effective, effectively, that could completely derail my mm. career. But they're the things you've got. You've, got. you've just got... If you're confident in your ability, you've got to do it. You can't listen to the promoters. You listen to your trainers, but if you really believe that you can beat that guy in front of you, take it. Take the ball by the heels. Well, let's move on to the final segment of the show, the final couple of fights that we wanted to talk about and mention on the show. Diego Pacheco now going 20-0 with another KO in nine rounds against Marcelo Corcarez. Great victory for him, that. And Eddie Earn looks very happy with that victory in particular. I think he, see, he sees the value in, in what Pacheco brings, and I think he knows that Maybe in the next two or three fights, he's he's really going to get a, uh, a a big big fight between him and Belanga going. That's the fight that's been mentioned, Edgar Belanga. If they could make that happen next, fantastic. I hope they do, but I'm always a bit skeptical as to whether they will. But that would be a perfect fight for him at this stage of his career now. And you look at obviously our next episode this week is a fight preview where Demetrius Andrade and. You've got David Benavidez fighting, you know, in the super middleweight division. This is another fight in the super middleweight division which starts to separate the best fighters of the division and and, and sort of lines up those that are there to take the opportunity to take a shot at the throne of Canelo, of course. So, Pierre Pacheo, Benavidez, Andrade, Belanga, these are the fighters now where we want to see them and we want to see them all tussle with one another to basically fight for the opportunity to get that Canelo payday. Yeah, and I like that fight, actually. Uh, at first, when when I heard it, I was a bit like, well, oh, I don't know. Again, that, that same old routine of myself, I think it's only 22. But do you know what? 20 fights in. Again, I'm, I was saying a slow burner, but do you know what? This is perfect, really, because even if he loses this fight, Pacheco doesn't matter as much as it probably would matter to Belanga, and that would be that'd be an excellent fight. I, I'm all for that, actually. And and as you say, it just it'll open the door for one of them to potentially go on to, to fight for that world title. And obviously, you've got you have a 25-year-old in there who's David Morrell, and um, he's only 9 and 0, 25 years of age, and he's one guy that I feel that a few people were avoiding, actually. Um, I don't think many people want to step in the ring with him because he's a bit of a banger as well. So he's definitely one. It, when you look at those names, when you sort of see Pachau, you see Belanga, and you see Morrell, you feel like, oh, okay, the vision looks a bit healthy again. Obviously, with Benavides as well as another, but I don't feel that Benavides is going to be in this division for too much longer, to be honest with you. Whereas I think those guys in particular and, and their ages, I feel that they're, they're future world champions in the making. Well, let's also mention the fact that Cal Yafai retired after his first round knockout loss to Jonathan Rodriguez. I, I think for me, Cal was done before this fight and he already knew that he was retiring anyway. He had it stitched into his clothing, hadn't he, that he was this was going to be his last fight. But I think we kind of knew that he was coming towards the end of his career 
the fact that he, he loses to Chocolatito Gonzalez in 2020, he got stopped by him in nine rounds. He comes back, he has that one win two years later, then comes back again. Next, I think we knew he was he was he was starting to go to the back end of his career, and I think that knockout yeah. loss, that knockout loss, just just kind of solidified it. Even though he already knew himself he was going to retire anyway, I think he, he, he you know he solidified the statement really that he needed to leave the sport, but. You've got to give the guy credit, man. The guy was a world champion. The guy achieved the dream of becoming a world champion, but also had one of the great amateur careers of of our fighters here in the UK. You know, the the likes of the opponents that he fought in his amateur career who've gone on to achieve stuff in the professional careers and, and the facts, you know, that he's... The accolades he's won as an amateur, I think you just got to give the guy credit, man. Like people might sort of slag him off and say, "Well, he wasn't good enough to beat, you know, the the big guys in the division." But he won the world title. He was a world champion for a couple of years. You can't really argue that he hasn't achieved what he set out to achieve in the sport. When you look at people like Luke Campbell, for example, a counterpart of his, it's like. He had a fantastic amateur career, but couldn't transition it to become a world champion. Although he had them tests, he couldn't overcome them. At least you can say, you know, with Kalyafai, he become a world champion. Although it's the right time to go now. You know, having that first round KO knockout loss, you knew it. I just knew, watching that fight, I just knew it was time to go. Straight away, I was just thinking, you're done. Yeah. He's absolutely done it. And I'm kind of glad that he was one of those fighters where he's just, he's already acknowledged it. And this was probably just the last last chance saloon opportunity, a good payday, and he, he probably knew he was on his way out, and he openly admitted afterwards, didn't he, really? And a lot of other people, Charlie Edwards, for example, he always wanted this fight with Kyle fight. It's never happened, but he was really classing his response on social media about, you know, how he wanted that fight, but he's always had nothing but respect for your fight because of what he's achieved in his amateur career and transitioned to become a world champion. It's, it's great to see that level of sportsmanship between fighters. Well, fair play to Cal. He's had a pretty decent career, and that's it. It's him done and dusted. Another one of those British fighters from the last 10, 15 years that we've watched go through this career. It's, it's done and dusted. It feels a little bit like it's making me feel older because I'm thinking, God, I remember when he was an amateur fighter. I remember him coming through, and it's like all that generation of fighters now are all starting to come to the end, ends of their careers, aren't they? Yeah, it's so true. Like You mentioned Luke Campbell there. Uh, and Cal, your five, obviously, sort of in that same bracket, weren't he? Where you've watched them in the Olympics and, and obviously in, in other amateur fights when they were on uh, for the British Lions, uh, your five as well, wasn't he? And uh, but yeah, um, it's, it's strange, isn't it? You, you see him turn over, and next thing you know, they're retired. You're like, wow, where did that time go? Um, I mean, look, I, it was it was really weird because I always the Roman Gonzalez fight, for instance, everybody when he went into that fight in 2020, there was a uh, it wasn't a huge upset that Gonzalez won the fight. I think most people did. For those that knew, understood Gonzalez, felt that he would win that fight. But that was the moment for me with with your fire was that he he looked very old in that fight very quickly, and that was three years ago. Um, and and I felt like wow. Um, I know I know Gonzalez. You know he's got a tremendous ability. You know he's a world he's a superstar. I mean, all the future all the fame around Gonzalez. But the way he dealt with him as easy as he did. Was a, was a real eye-opener, and I thought maybe that was the time he probably should have just called it a day after that, after sharing a ring with an absolute legend. Now, he goes on and wins in, in Abu, Abu Dhabi, doesn't he? He goes and wins that fight in 2022. Maybe that there, just, just to finish it off with a win. But obviously, yeah, he, he's gone, tried to go that little step further, but I think Father Time caught up with him in the end. And look, 
it was a former world champion, um, decorated amateur career. It's been a credit to the sport, to and a credit to to this country in terms of representing it in on an amateur level and in a professional level. And uh, my hat goes off to him. You know, not many fighters can leave the game knowing that they've become world champions and you fought a legendary Hall of Famer. And I know you've lost to him, but still tremendous achievement in his career. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. And with that in mind, that brings us to the close of the show. Just a few housekeeping comments to make before we close it. If you've been listening to the Career Profiles podcast, that has now officially finished for 2023. We've got 10 episodes. A few of them are two-parters, so it probably extended to about 14, 15 episodes. If you haven't tuned in to this current round of the series, please go and listen back to the episodes that we have released over the past few months. With that in mind, we are now preparing for our next series, which is the Legendary Nights podcast. 10 new episodes, and I'm pleased to also confirm that our good friend Luke will be back on for the after show to discuss his thoughts and feelings on some of the fights that we are covering for the season and how it also transitions into societal issues. And he always brings a completely different spin on our Legendary Nights series and the after show indeed. Really looking forward to getting that out and we will be putting some promotional material out for that very, very shortly. I just want to also say thank you to the patrons of the podcast for supporting us as always thank you to you guys for allowing us to continue to do what we do with the series based content and providing us that little bit of financial support and in return we are giving you early access to those series based episodes ad free episodes of course patron only content and boxing through the decades which we will try our best to squeeze in one final episode the 1970s decade is where we're up to next we're hoping to try and get that in before the end of the year and then maybe look to finish that series off in between the transition of legendary nights and darker side of boxing next year but for those that haven't subscribed to us on patreon you can actually do that now as a free member but you won't get access to the patreon only content you can have a little look at what we do have on there by becoming a free member and you can see what we do offer and if you are in a position to then become a full patron and a member you will then get access to all the patron only content which includes all of the one-off specials that we've done and the boxing through the decades series as well but thank you to everybody as always for listening if you've been listening on spotify please leave us a comment about what you think about the episode or any thoughts and feelings about the things that we've discussed in this episode about the fighters the fighters careers where they're going potential fights you can do that on spotify if you want to leave us a rating you can also do that on spotify as well as apple please don't forget to go and do that if you haven't done that already and you can follow us on social at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter or BTR Boxing Podcast Network on every other social media platform. We will be back very shortly this week with another episode. It is a big fight preview. Two big fights happening for us this week. Chantal Cameron, Katie Taylor 2 and David Benavidez and Demetrius Andrade. We will be back with another episode and we will see you next time on the BTR Boxing Podcast Network.
Social Podcast Network.